Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everybody welcome back to man bites pod i am here your good reverend terry goddamn with the commander we ryan and bon bonyard joining us from down under how are you gentlemen doing today let it be known i'm good i'm good oh it's been it's been a week i tried to actually make it to you guys yeah i actually made it halfway across the atlantic and um, but then um, the, but the the uh, I had to get a uh, COVID test by the uh, the the water patrol, you know, the maritime police as well. They tested. Yeah, me. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were said there were a bunch of infected dolphins in the area, and, and um, they gave me a test. I was fine, don't worry. But they said they were better clear back than I can. So the actual quarantine, you know, the 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 cordoning off because some of these dolphins are even getting it out there now. It's it's a whole scene. So I made it back in time, but I'm all good. Hope you guys are well. How's your week been? Is that is that why they sent you back? I was waiting on the dock for all that time. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, it's all yeah, right. No, fuck. I'm glad to know now. I was worried about you. I was worried. Like an old Jewish grandmother, I was worried. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent some minnows to spare send word, but you know, those fuckers, <laughs> slow as disorganized, obviously. Oh, Steve, you, I should have told you, I don't speak minnow, but it's oh, all right. Of course, of course. Okay. Uh, oh, I, speak a, I speak a number of languages, but minnow is not one of them. I'm doing it's well. It's complex. Um, Good. We're chugging right along with this fucking podcast. I love every second of it. And the commander commands that we get into this fucking show. Reverend. Hmm. Yes, well, Reverend, what are we doing? Well, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite films, not only one of my personal favorite films, not only a film that has affected my entire life and my spiritual journey throughout this land of America, but one of the best films in cinematic history by one of the greatest directors in the horror genre, George A. Romero. I'm talking about 1973's The Crazies also known as they call it Trixie because that is the name of the bacteriological weapon that is beset upon this innocent American town. But let's start off. Opening scene. Got this little girl, she's getting ready to bed, she's getting herself a glass of water, her brother's being all like weird and stuff, they're playing hide and go seek. All of a sudden, dad's in the fucking living room and in the kitchen, slamming doors and shit, fucking breaking cabinets and stuff. Little girl's like, fuck, mom. Dad's going crazy and shit. Mom's already dead. Dad lights the whole entire house on fire. 
opening credits. The crazies. Fucking <laughs> wonderful. Gonna get your names, your actors, everyone. And then within the first 90 seconds of a film, we are introduced to our two main characters, David and Judy. What is that, Judy? Oh, that's your nipple. Yeah, there's a boob in the first minute and a half of this fucking movie because it's a cinematic goddamn masterpiece. But she has a lot more substance than that because she is a nurse in a small local town. And he is a firefighter. Hey, that fire alarm's going off. David, you better get to work. Nah, baby, I think we should just lay here for a little while. She's pregnant. They're gonna take care of this kid. They're gonna eventually get married. That's great. But he's gotta go fight this fire. She's gotta, she's getting called into the fucking county doctor's office. She's gonna go and see him. So sets the entire stage. He gets, Judy gets to the local doctor's office and she is met with Major Ryder. He is taking over the town. He is in charge. Her boss, the main doctor of this small town does not even matter anymore. And Major Ryder, he's gonna have to shut off this entire town. They start setting up ultraviolet lights. This is gonna kill the virus. Everyone's wearing gas masks. They're all in hazmat suits. Dr. Bernward does not even know what's going on. Brookmeyer. Dr. Brookmeyer does not even know what's going on, but Major Ryder is confident that he can set up this town and get everyone vaccinated and quarantined and taken care of. So now we jump to the third plot line of this film because we've got David and Judy who are kind of the everyday civilians. Second off, we got Major Ryder who is in Dr. Burkmeyer's office and they're trying to quarantine this town. The third plot line is of the higher ups. Three men sitting in a room discussing whether or not they should drop a nuclear weapon upon the town. Within the first five minutes, we know that dropping a nuclear weapon upon this town is an option. None of the characters involved are interacting with each other whatsoever. But we know that there is a threat of a nuclear bomb going on in an American town. We don't the entire... Know. The entire movie is, is is there is this woven within it is this it's this patchwork of panic. It's it's just it's just pure anxiety. Yes. So Judy's really confused. Doctor Brookmeyer is like, "Hey, take these vaccines." Put these needles in your pocket and bust out of here. She takes her chance and she's going to go get David. David's busy fighting the fire. The sheriff's at the scene. Sheriff doesn't know what's going on. He's getting calls in. The fire department's getting calls in that they're going to quarantine this town. And the county lines are getting cut off. So this fireman, David, and his buddy, Clank, who is obviously the local, like, <laughs> football star, they're like, hey, we, we should probably take off. So they go to save Judy. But 
Judy's already on her way to meet them. They fucking like two ships in the night, fucking pass each other. <laughs> Flip a bitch, crank. We gotta go after her. So they go after Judy. They get pulled over by this fucking caravan of military personnel with their gas masks on and their hazmat suits on. They decide that Clank, David, and Judy get stuck into the back of this car along with crazy ass Kathy and Artie who are father and daughter and some super cracked out guy that is obviously crazy. He's got the disease. They realize that this is a quarantine. Boom, action again. Get in a car accident, people starting to jump out everywhere. You know, uh, David, he uses his karate chop action. He's got that straight up G.I. Joe, Green Beret, karate chop action to the back of the neck. Fucks you up this guy in his gas mask. You literally see that where your man is bent over and he goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. He carves that motherfucker up with the Kung Fu Yeah, Mr. Miyagi could not have done this karate chop any better. I I disagree. I think Mr. Miyagi might have done it a little better. But fair enough. We'll, we'll have to find out. That's not the battle royale that we're having. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what booking, though? What fine booking? <laughs> Reverend, please. So they get in the, the van. David starts driving. They find themselves in a, a secluded area with Artie and Kathy. And it's obvious that Artie and Kathy are kind of having some problems they're 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 going a little insane right they got the crazies the virus has taken effect in these two other people david just wants to save judy who is pregnant and clank kind of seems like he just wants to shoot random people but after they invade this farmhouse kathy and artie are secluded in a room and a very uncomfortable scene happens in which Artie does inappropriate things and Clank has to come and save the daughter Kathy by throwing Artie off. Artie obviously realizes that he's got the disease and so he commits suicide. Right. Can we pause there? Because that's that's an important thing. It is. Because the father realizes he's doing things with his daughter that he he's like, no, no, this ain't right. He kind of comes. That's the thing about this disease that that is that is inherent from this biological weapon is that people come in and out of it. It's psychological. They come in and out of it and realize, well, oh, I'm acting like a fucking animal. Like, they, they realize it here and there, but then go back into it. And your man does that. He goes, what the fuck? This is not good. But his daughter is too far gone, and she's trying to have at it with him. And he's pushing her away yeah. and losing his fucking mind. And then the fucking uh, uh, clank, clank tries to fucking throws him down the stairs, fucks him up. 
Wait, what? Yeah, uh, no, I, I just enjoy the name Clank. I just enjoy the, the name Clank. Yeah. yeah. It's a cartoon. <laughs> it's a cartoon 1970s American anti-hero name. Clank. His name yeah. is. Okay. They throw him down okay. the fucking you. stairs and then he he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm done. I can't live with this. I'll be honest with you. I would do the same thing. I would fu absolutely fucking be done with it. If, yeah, if yeah, I woke yeah, up to that yeah, with my daughter, yeah. I, I there's no way I can handle it. So Romero is there's not much pacing in this, and if there is a pacing in it, it's a rapid sprint. Everything that I have just talked about has happened within the first half of this fucking film. Like, I, yeah, you know, there's this threat, there's the army coming in they're taking out bars they're shutting down these hotels and eventually they're going into private residences with their gas masks and their automatic weapons and their full jumpsuits and taking little kids out of their cribs and stuff you know romero just throws you into this landscape and the fucking paranoia and the anxiety of this film never lets up there is never a short romantic scene. The only time that this film actually kind of breaks pace is for what we just described, which is one of the most disturbing scenes in the entire film, basically put there just to show the insanity of what this virus, Trixie virus is. Hmm, nicely pointed right. out. Uh, I, I, Amanda, the the thing I was going to point out is that it, I feel it's very it's not the same but it's reminiscent of Deer Hunter the yes. whole the whole all of a sudden you are just plummeted into this world of insanity that's all I mean um, it's not the same movie on any level just that they show you this glimpse of of life how it is and then all of a sudden you're fucking mm. in the middle of the shit mm. yeah i i feel yeah i get you i get you definitely um and we were talking about um lack of communication i mean this film encapsulates communication breakdown because the uh, marshmallow stormtroopers the uh, the government guys in the white uh you know hazmat suits they don't know what's going on either yeah, they, they don't know why they're gathering these people up as well. Um, and right. it is very fast. And it is very frantic. The editing, the cutting is quick as well, given uh, Romero's uh, uh, experience, you know, editing for news, how he started off, you know, made his bones in film. Um, mm -hmm. Given the subject matter, pandemic in a town, it's shot, like a it's shot like crazy news footage and cut like news footage where no one knows what's going on, yeah? You are the whole you have, movie. like keyhole view of a town just not knowing what's happening and falling to pieces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the virus is for, I'm not sure if they say it earlier on or at the very end, I might be confusing uh, the remake, um, but it's for destabilization of a population, yeah, in this movie. Terry, Does you're going to have to speak to that because I don't remember them saying that in this movie and I never saw the remake. I never okay. saw the remake. 
or is it just stated as a biological weapon in the original in the original here romero's original reference they did say that hold on terry you're hey terry can't we hear. can't hear I can't you hear sorry man there you go Cosmo was so wait. My door. here's the thing uh gene was asking if if it was addressed as a biological weapon in the in the first uh, edition of Crazies in 1973. It was. They flat out said it's a biological weapon they developed. But yeah. did they say it's for? Did they say it is for to depop? Uh, sorry, destabilize a population. Did they state that in the original? I don't know that they did. Terry, did they? What they state is that it's a bacteriological. And they say it like four or five times that it's back in 1973. They don't even call it a biological weapon. They call it a okay. bacteriological okay. weapon. And that's the reason that it's able to go through the water systems. But they were, yes, developing it to um, for military warfare. You know, there was no real specific intent. It was not there to just kill people. It was there to destruct society you know wherever it would have been employed yeah, yeah. just like lsd yeah. was used by mk ultra just like yes, lsd is... was used by the cia dropped on small towns in america their own country never mind we'll get into that on another podcast this is definitely around a that. reference towards what 1973's American society would have viewed LSD as. This is Romero's attempt to show what insanity could do to a society while uh, making a comment on what the drug culture and the awareness culture and the opening of awareness would do, you know? So it's not only a disease, it's something that's making people crazy and destroying society. Yes. And well, the remake touches on it, but I don't like the remake that much. Have you so you've seen it? Have you seen the remake? Yeah, I've seen it before. I haven't. Yeah. I watched I don't I watched it, but I I watched it uh, through the research of this, yeah. Just yeah. Because but the ending of this movie inspired me to watch the remake, but I'll talk about that when we get to the end. That's yeah, because I don't want to talk about the remake too much. Because you know, fair enough. I mean, it. I'll be I'll be left out of it entirely. I'll be. I mean, it's fine. I don't got a problem with that. It's just that I did not watch it because it bothered me that there even was one. But <laughs> okay, fair we'll get to it. We'll get to so, it. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David and Clank and Judy, they are off and on, and they finally just ditch Artie and Kathy completely. Kathy just kind of uh, loses it and goes out into the middle of a field where she gets overtaken by the military. Um, Clank and David and Judy start running away from a helicopter that... Um, Sergeant Ryder had taken some helicopters in the local area. There's now helicopters in the air, rounding up citizens. This is very Vietnam-esque, okay? This is in 1970s 
to 1980s American cinema. If you're going to talk about Vietnam, you're going to have a goddamn helicopter in the episode of the Dukes of Hazard or the A-Team or whatever the fuck you're going to need make okay. a Vietnam me- Okay. Reference. It's true. It's very true. I hear you. So hear um, you. this fact that, okay, here comes, here comes the military. Here comes the American government. Clank makes a sacrifice of, of himself, even though he is the stupid jock. And even though he's washed up later on in life. And even though he tried to get with Judy when David was in the nom, he still decides that he's going to make a sacrifice of himself and goes and takes on the military single-handed until he gets his fucking brains blown out. David's a little smarter. He goes and tries to take Judy and hide her in the concrete factory, but it's obvious by this point that Judy is also infected with this disease. He hides her. He has to kill a man with his bare hands to save his baby mama and his pregnant baby that he's got but it's all for none and void because she's still insane and some people that come running up to him are just shooting everywhere and end up shooting him her and he goes to pull the gun on her this person that just shot his baby mama and it's one of the kids that he teaches at the high school and the kid is just like hey coach I've got the crazies, you know, like at this point, David just gives up. He's like, fuck, dude, what the fuck am I even fighting for? He goes with the military and they're taking him into uh, the doctor's office where Judy and all this uh, major rider and everyone has been setting up all this. And he looks and he looks at major rider and he's about to get shipped off to Earth. Actually, it's Colonel Peckham at this time. Colonel Peckham is the black dude who is actually in charge of this whole situation by this point. He's about to get relocated to Louisville. David, which it had been insinuated the entire time that he may be one of the only people that has an immunity to this virus and therefore a prime candidate to make a vaccine out of. Right is passed upon and they lock eyes and it's the only interaction between the three stories that you ever get and at that point it's obvious that david's just gonna die in the middle of a bunch of insane people even though he's probably the vaccine that they may need but Colonel Peckham, he is on his way to go fight again, and they're obviously going to drop the bomb on this city, and it just ends like that. And your man knows that that's going to happen, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think you missed is that – what's that fucking guy? Um, Which one? Are they a guy with uh, the Trixie anecdote? Uh, who's yes, new, um, th- yes, thank uh, David you. French is the actor. Um, David what French, that, yeah, thank you, Doctor Watch. Much. Yeah, that Dr. motherfucker is holding the fucking antidote. He's holding the answer to it, and he's trying. The whole movie, he's trying to tell the military they're wrong about everything they're doing. Like you can't he's take the me to this storyline. It's will. stupid. 
his whole deal. He's the most important person in this whole thing. Yes, and, I did and skip he that. ends up getting stuck into a fucking facility where he can't do as good as he possibly can for the situation and then eventually dies uh, a foolish death of not of his own making. Yeah, but, getting pushed down the stairs. Yeah, Right. He fucking, with the fucking cure for the whole shit, if it anyone if and anyone pushed. would listen to reason, yeah, it's 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 shitting on the U.S. military and their yeah. way of doing things, and yeah. they're right. It's it's absolutely wrong to prioritize order over people. Yeah, yeah. and I love that yeah, you bring him up us. because honestly, he is actually portrayed in Dawn of the Dead just a few years later, and he is the announcer in that film that's yeah. the voice of reason in that as well. And he's got the patch over but it's the same goddamn actor, you know. And he's a Knight of the Living Dead on a TV screen uh, on a monitor he is. as well. He's yeah. in all three. As, yeah, he, as yeah. a matter of fact, this movie is the only one where he's not shown on a television screen. But there you go. There you go. Um, it's easy, he's a Romero favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. So that that um, goes through the entire plot line of this film. But the social repercussions little... of this is amazing. So let's let's go through a lot of that right now. Hold on, hold on, if I may, sorry. At the very, very end, um, it is set, it is stated that one person escaped containment and has gone to the next town yeah um so you've got the 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 black military officer colonel what was his name peckham yeah peckham, peckham. thank you um and, and then he gets the call puts the phone down and if i have it correctly he's just you know doing the uh the captain picard rubbing his uh forehead <laughs> forehead with right. his fingers and, and i go oh my fucking god we've got to go through this again and why uh, the what I wanted to say with the remake before is that's the idea of it. That's the that's that was their launching pad, their launching point. That one person escaped because and went to the next town. They set the remake in the next town, and um, the character of David has been made the sheriff. Yeah. Yes. But it's not necessarily later. It's not a time thing. It's just what if. This time around, he's the sheriff, yeah? Um, right. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's why, that's the launching pad of the remake without going too deep into it. But it was definitely like, this is going to threaten to be a global, uh, I think it's an endemic up from pandemic. This shit's going to go global, yeah? Actually, yeah, I right. think you're right with endemic. That, yeah. That's the very, very end of it, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is miserable. It's tragic. It's like, yeah, there's no happy ending uh, here. And and that's that's the beautiful thing about your man at the end of the movie is <laughs> taken off in this fucking helicopter the whole time he's been trying to tell everybody this is hopeless. We can't win if you don't give me these resources. And they're just like, No, we gotta do protocol. We gotta do the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, by the way. Hey, at least you already know what's going on. We're going to send you to Louisville. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, no, I love this film. Um, I love all of Romero's work, honestly. And this film is basically about the inaccuracies and the absolute idiocy of government here in America. Night of the Living Dead is about racism. This one's about the idiot government we have here. Yep. Dawn of the Dead is about consumerism. Um, Day of the Dead is about nihilism. You know, um, they're What's all Land of the Dead about? Yeah. This one gets <laughs> skipped over. You know, a You're lot right. of people talk about the Dead trilogy, which is very specific. And yes, he was using zombies to portray a horror aspect to make the social commentary that he wanted to. But I feel like when he did Night of the Living Dead, people were too dumb to get it. So he just slapped them upside the fucking face with this shit and was like, no, this is a fucking disease that is very feasible. It's not a science fiction thing. It's not a horror movie thing. This is something that could really happen. And if it really happens, don't think for two seconds that the government isn't going to kill you on a whim mainly because they can't figure out how to use the goddamn telephone, you God know, damn. which is very, uh, they talk about the telephone. They talk about, oh, we need your voice in print. And that's the reason that Dr. Watts cannot get the vaccine out there. That's the reason that David is passed over because the pure idiocy of the government, you know, it's yes. Romero. 100%. Took his opportunity and took the money that he had made from his previous films to make this his second sophomoric social commentary. Fuck you to America. Absolutely. Beautifully put. I believe there's even a scene where uh, they're showing crazies, showing the citizens going crazies. Remember where she was sweeping the grass? Right. Yeah. That's meant to be a kind of depiction. Uh, is it the Kent Massacre? I want to make sure I get this 100% correct. Okay. I didn't think of that, but that's good. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So very Vietnam. When I read about how Vietnam this film is, yeah, about your commentary on or happened in this uh, where, whilst Vietnam was going on. Sure. Um, and I was saying to the commander there before, uh, Romero's history in the newsroom, cutting up, you know, news edits as mm. well. This film was approached like it's a news story, completely out of control. You're just watching it for, you know, keyhole view of this town just falling to pieces. And no one really knows right. why. The, mar the marshmallow stormtroopers, they don't know why they're quarantining people either. And so that's why they act like assholes as well, because there's just no information. And the scary thing about this is with the lack of information and this is in this view of society that this film presents, uh, violence is a necessity. That's also kind of a dark message that this film is suggesting, yes, right. given the, the war mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Romero I, is a smart man. Yeah. A hundred percent. To say the very fucking least. Yeah. I see the Vietnam uh, commentary in this is how expendable American lives are to the government. I think that that's the key point that he was using as a Vietnam uh, example okay. Okay. is that these are just numbers. Oh, well, we can run these numbers. We can run these numbers. We can get 
a colonel that is a minority to take the fall for this, you know? And then there's the relationship of Clank and David that um, say, oh, well, David was the Green Beret. And then on the other hand, you have Clank, who is just your average... Regular army, he says, over and over. Regular army. Regular army. The fact that he can compete with the the other thing, it doesn't matter. They both got drafted. They both had to go fucking fight in this war, but one got glorified and the other didn't. You know, that was another commentary on Vietnam and America, you yeah. know, that is mm-hmm. just as important as the uh, exponential expenditure of American lives, you know. Right. And did America not set that precedent? of setting that that exact level up for those two to be, you know, the dichotomy. One is set against the other because one is better than the other. They're not in the same army. You know what I mean? Yeah. One is better than the other sometimes. Like, they yeah, set too. that up so that they different types of warriors yeah um, no it, it's great um what did you guys see any of this uh product propaganda placement in this film none no no i mean nothing that was purposeful i don't think that your man romero put anything purposeful to make money in this this movie no There's nothing purposeful to make money, but like every single George Romero film, there is a scene where everyone's looking for a cigarette because it's a goddamn apocalypse and nobody's got any fucking cigarettes. So Clank smokes Newports. No, he smokes Newports, man. Also, Oh, yeah, no, that's right. It's Newports. Sorry. When he's getting drunk, he's drinking old granddad whiskey. Yeah, but later on, he's drinking Rebel Yell. Yeah, he switches it up, and he switches it up because, hey, it's a two-bottle movie when there's fucking crazy people and the military coming after you. Hey, look, man, if the military's coming after me, I'm going to pocket whatever bottle I can get my hands on. There you go, man. You guys want to do some uh, Jabba Royale then? Yeah, do it. All right. Yeah, yeah, totally, of course. Please. So the doctor and the nurse, they're trying to figure out the cure and he takes his mask off. He doesn't care because he needs to find the cure. And the nurse doesn't care either. And she's like, I can't see through the microscope. I've found just as hard as you have. And we got that nurse. Uh And then we got the dad at the beginning, but after he sells, sets the fire and he's sitting in the cop car and he's like yelling at the fireman, like, Save my car! Don't let those trees go up! After he already killed his wife and his kids. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So, just to be clear, just to be clear, it's yeah. the Please. dad from the original scene in the cop car after he's gone crazy. Yeah. Versus this woman. That's like, I don't give a fuck. All gloves are like, I'm taking my gloves off because I know shit's fucking going down now. All right. 
I'm gonna defer to Gene. I'm gonna let Gene go first. <laughs> Who? This is a tricky one. This is a tricky one for you know what is essentially a creative mental exercise uh, when we're talking about crazy people. How crazy right. people fight. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, hmm. See, the nurse has definite signifiers because she's in a hospital. She's surrounded by disease. She's got that gumption just to take it off. Fuck it. You know what I mean? So in other situations, she's taken those earrings off straight away. Let's go. That's what that suggests to me. Taking the gloves off is taking the earrings off in a bar. The dad, though, that's really crazy behavior. I mean, that is a loop-de-doo scene, uh, image that is, you know, with the trees burning and, you know, the Lord, you know, it's, yeah. Right. <sighs> so there's that, well, that was, in, you know, so what does he potentially hold inside as well? Because this this crazy disease, I think, does plan on the, you know, darkest desires, primal man, that sort of thing. It's in the lizard part of the brain that's coming out, Yeah. So that's a tricky one. You're going against the medical industry, against someone who's not afraid of anything that comes across in a hospital disease-wise, against someone who could just go out into the wilderness and just start burning shit down, don't come near my part of the land. That's what that's I see right. from those two. That's what I can take. Okay. So that's huge. Um, but given that, okay, this is my qualifier, the um, deciding factor, given that it's uh, 1973 Vietnam time, uh, they can easily quash the the, 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 the gypsy. <laughs> they can get rid of the wild guy who lives out in the bush there, the outcast of the society, because they're already getting rid of the outcast. Look at the way they just gather up general society. Um, so I'm giving it to the nurse. Giving it to the nurse? Okay. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a tough one, but I like a challenge. Thank you, Reverend. What about you, Commander? What, what are you taking in this? That's fucking brutal, but <laughs> I swear to God, this whole time I'm sitting here going, this motherfucker doesn't know what he's talking about. The whole time, the whole time, I was thinking he doesn't know what he's talking about. End of the day, I'm giving it to the nurse. He's right. He's right. Yeah. Get the nurse. Well, it's, I it's don't know. Nice it was it was fucking batshit. It took me at the end. I realized. Yes. Well, my 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 setting up of the battle there by working things out out yes. loud. Yes. Okay. Hundred and fifty percent. I was not with you the whole time until we got to the end, and I was. Oh, that's yeah. That's my. That's my style. You'll get used to it, you know. Like, it may take a minute to get there, but trust me, I get there. I just got to work it out of the way. <laughs> Synapses do battle <laughs> until there's just a supernova at the end. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you, Vic. Um, yeah, Riffin, no, I'm that was with a the, I'm with the Baron. I'm with the Baron, the only guy that has a doctorate. Oh, no, no, settle yeah. down. It's just, uh, it's a BA. <laughs> There's no doctor. <laughs> well spoken white trash. That's all I am there, gentlemen. <laughs> who do you who do you think you're talking to? I'm definitely going with this nurse. There's just no, there's no battle. He's like so far gone crazy that it doesn't even matter. We're going with the nurse. Uh she just she's not taking no more shit. Yeah. That she ain't playing no fucking yeah. games, man. 
She's got a well-placed hit with that microscope across that guy's motherfucking dome, and it's done. While he's fucking trying to count fucking how many bunny rapids are on the windowsill, you know? Yeah, man. Closing remarks, what do you guys think? Well, we've got a bit of violence as well. What what bits of violence do we like there, gentlemen? Oh, shit, sorry. We do have another gimmick. What's your favorite bit of violence? Well... I'm going with Graham. Um, no, Clank, Clank getting Clank getting domed is my favorite. Yeah, um, Clank yeah. getting domed because it was the most human. Like that motherfucker gets shot and then like pause at the tree for a minute, <laughs> and then <laughs> back and then and then pause at the tree again. Like that's a heavy. Yeah, okay. Actually, Clank that's getting point. domed is my yeah. fucking. I like that's it, man. A good point. That is very human. That's a fine bit of acting, actually, in that moment there. Uh, but my bit's not human at all. It's just pure macabre deliciousness. Granny with the needles, bringing it back to the needles. I too enjoy some needle violence, <laughs> especially when it's stuck it stuck in the other person, whoever it was, crawling out of the room. But the nanny's still knitting, but it's trailing off because it's attached, like, you know, when you help out your nanny with the knitting, but the body, it's all stabbed <laughs> up. This yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely Reverend. going granny, granny knitting needle. I got that written down. It's by far my favorite. Four I years. mean, it's the most brilliant shit ever. It's yeah. the most brilliant shit ever. Just the ab- absent-mindedness of it and that, like, vague look in her eye. Like, she's just fucking flipping an egg over or whatever. Like, just, oh, no, son. Fuck you. I'm going to stab you in the face. Like- <laughs> and if I may, also the self-immolation of a religious figure in 1973 is pretty yeah. heavy duty. Yeah. Of a priest. Heavy duty. Yeah. Yeah. Especially of yeah. a priest. Yeah. He Americanized Um, it for us. He Americanized it for us. Everyone in America had seen the image of the Buddhist priest doing it, but it was foreign to us. So Romero was like, no, this is what this means. This is what it means when you self-emulate as a religious figure in our country, you know? Yes. And Romero's important. Romero is important. Um, that That man put black people at the head of his films when other people were not doing it. He made them the hero when other people were not doing it. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is the only evidence I need of that. So, and he did it over and over again, but he started there. Yeah. That's a, this man's a genius. Yeah, definitely. He also gave uh, females at that time very strong leading, yeah, or um, support lead roles as well for that time as well. Was yeah, right. basically not the norm. Yeah. Um, before we get to rating, though, I do have to ask as well. Uh, Australian you guys are American. This is nineteen seventy three. It's twenty twenty one. What's it like? You guys are going through the corona pandemic, not the Trixie pandemic, but the corona pandemic. What's it like <laughs> watching this film today? Gotta ask. It, it, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't fun. I watched this fucking movie today, and 
it was not it, it legitimately reminded me of fucking how stupid people are in my country i like it's it wasn't fun it wasn't fun terry oh we're a hair trigger away from this constantly and we always have been even before this last year where it actually happened fucking we've always been right here on the edge of this this has always been a possibility for american society to do something like this if anything i'm super surprised that this didn't happen worse when we had a pandemic no i'm really kind of blown away that American society hasn't completely destroyed itself, you know? So um, this, yeah, this was used in a horror film literally Interesting. 50 fucking years ago almost. Yeah, we've always been this close. It's not something new. And this was a commentary on how fucked up the government was in Vietnam using the virus as... A catapult to describe it, you know, as a euphemism yeah. almost yeah. to describe Beautiful. what the government was fucked up about. But no, now we're just dealing with an actual virus and our government is fucking stupid about it. So yeah, lots and lots of people are dying. You know? Um, and you, that's, and you, that is the genius of Romero as well. This was made, 50, you know, near 50 or so years ago. And you say it's hair trigger close to what it is like for you guys today. The remake, which was made in 2010, they nuclear bombed or napalm bombed the town at the end of the movie. That's how they dealt right. with it. Then they survive <laughs> and walk to the next town, so on and so forth. That wasn't, that was, uh, you know, implied that that's what they were going to do in the first movie. Yeah. Um, but they but they walked away. They walked away like, yeah, we're going to meaninglessly go to this other town and and try and sort it out, I guess. But at the end of the day, it was military ineptitude that led to it not getting taken care of. I would love to see... Romero, rest in peace always. But I would love to see if the good man, the good sir was alive today, what sort of film he would make today. Because this guy is one of the great punk rock directors as well. Yeah, he's punk rock as fuck. Like, there's there's no debating that dude did everything he did as punk rock as it came. And by the way, it should be shown in the fact that in this movie, these are maybe the most hideous people I've ever seen. Ever in a movie. They're really gross. Uh-huh. It's, uh-huh. it's not fun to look day. at. One, not one no. person in this movie is fun to look there at. Was, no one was really hot. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a stretch. Like, no well. one is even okay to look at. They're, <laughs> they're gross. Everyone in this movie. And it's important. And that's intentional. Yeah, no, it's intention, intentional as well. And everyone should see it. I think it's important to point out also that as one of his biggest films, this is one that doesn't include much race in it. It really doesn't have, like, it's an all-white cast in this, which I think was done on purpose because every single one of his other films has a commentary about race in America. 
but this one doesn't. And I think the reason that he doesn't in this film is because he's portraying the fact that his society against, you know, not Big Brother, but the inaccuracy and the idiocy of the people that are actually running it. This is a hick town. This is a bunch of people that aren't exactly, it's not an urban setting. So it's not a mixed race. It's just a bunch of fucking hillbillies. And they are getting taken over by the government. And that is the duality of it. And so this is the one film that he really leaves that out of it, even though it's a huge part of American society. And though there aren't any black wolves in this, I feel like it's important that he used it in this way to illustrate that it is kind of an us versus them thing that he was going for in this film. You know, it's just the working class versus the military or the government or the, you know, rich or whatever. It's not the duality of the race, race workings that he had used in night or dawn or day. The colonel is the one black dude that may have to take the fall for this instead of having the main lead be one of the main leads be a black dude because in every one of the yeah, other okay. films it is that's interesting you know, that's a very important point that he puts across but in this film where it's the government versus them the only black person in the film he makes the fall guy the colonel that's actually working for the government be the only black dude in it and I think that was lost in the critiques of a lot of uh, other people yeah. that have talked about this film because it's a very historic film, especially to the horror genre and especially to anyone that has talked about George A. Romero. I think that's lost on a lot of people, but I think he did it specifically to portray another aspect of fucking race relations in this fucking country. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Tell me uh, if I'm wrong. Well, there's no right or wrong, but it's a very solid uh, analysis, absolutely. Yeah, I'm Um, with you. Yeah, you know, and this that's what I'm saying, and that that. this one is not. And the only reason that is because is because the person that is taking the fall from it that is so-called, quote-unquote, the government, but they force the black man to take the fall for them in this Right. You know, that's what I'm trying to say is that, like— You're right. Yeah, the black man yeah, is the hero. No, I get you. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. There's no question yeah. about that. And and the crazies. And the crazies. And the crazies. And for the fact that, like, in this film specifically, it's not the lead character and that they drop the ball on the black dude at the end of this, it can't yeah. be lost. And I think that a yeah. lot of people move over the crazies as that, oh, it's not a zombie film. I feel like this is one of his most poignant fucking films. You know, this is his sophomore effort. Of course, he had Night of the Living Dead, and it's fucking beautiful. But I think he really came in with the crazies with kind of a commentary that he wanted to put over on society, and it was lost because it wasn't a zombie monster film, you know? Right. Preach. Preach, Reverend. Preach. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Can I can I throw out my favorite piece of uh, trivia from this entire movie? Please do. Please do. George Romero's head is 
that of the president in the closed circuit yeah. footage. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, my favorite, yeah. it's my favorite it's my favorite cameo cool, <laughs> in any movie ever is George Romero as the president of the United States. In that yes. fucking yes. in that fucking scene where it's on oh, it the been. and no one can see who it is. I love it. That's brilliant. His work speaks uh, for itself, and he will go on mm. down in history as one of the masterminds of American cinema, 100%. Such a nice dude. Tall. He's like 6'2 or something, man. And big, apparently, as well. Built. Yeah, he's a big dude, dude. Uh, he's a big dude, man. Terry, do, do you have uh, the rest of our gimmicks sorted out? We did Best Bit of Violence. We did Jabba Royale. We did it's rating time. Oh, we got to rate it because we did product placement as well at the start, so we're uh, we're up to rating, gentlemen. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on a scale of cold sore to full blown AIDS, what do you guys give it? The crazies. I get. I mean, it's a disease movie. It's hard to do that. I'll go ahead. We can and go say, for a psychological disorder, given, yeah. Hey, girl. I'll go ahead and say this is full blown Kevin Spacey herpes. Okay. Because this is serious. This is something you should really pay attention to. And it's not just regular herpes, it's I got it from a celebrity herpes. You should pay attention to this. Yeah. Uh, do you have it's a number, to, a number to go along with the herpes, herpes number? Yeah, herpes number. Oh, uh, herpes number sixteen. Uh, I'll give that to you. <laughs> I made uh, that number up right now. Perfect. Um, no, no, no. Sorry, rating out of ten. Sorry, that's what I was meaning. You're aligning the herpes with a rating out of ten. Oh, oh, I see. I'm still gonna go yeah. sixteen. Okay. I'm not arguing that at all. I'm not arguing that at all. <laughs> no, I um, still think it's 16. How about you? Okay, I hear that. Dr. Hey. Ben Bond, hmm. MD. I'm sure you're curious there. I'm sure you're curious there, Reverend, um, yes. because I'll get it out of the way because I don't like to sully the name of the late, great George Romero. This is a 70s film with people standing around in rooms shouting at each other. That's all I'm That's saying right. about the acting. <laughs> That's all I'm saying about the acting. We know it is what it is. Yeah? Um, it's not that I came in disliking this film. I thought that it was very clever. Yeah, and I could see its importance. But Reverend, seriously, that end promo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, really highlighted why this film should be known. Let it be absolutely fucking known, the crazies. Um, it's definitely, it's a migraine. Yeah, like pink triangles, like there could be vomit in, you know, Asami's bowl here for this um, at the end of it. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a 7 out of 10. Uh, yeah, that is a 7 out of 10 for this, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what. Yeah, but, 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 that's but it was less it was it was a bit less before i came to church today yeah not saying oh, that i didn't like the film but but i but the first viewing was rough i will speak the truth here the the baron's truth 
Um, but after, you know, studying it up as always and definitely coming to church today, like I'm going to go back and rewatch it with what you've told me, yeah, with what you've, uh, I have in mind, the sermon that you gave, the knowledge that you've imparted. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is a strong seven. A, it is a full-blown migraine, as they say, the pink triangles and vomit in Asami's bowl. <laughs> the reverend the reverend has a way of, of steering people it's you know, well, i'm gonna be full on fucking youth pastor cool guy with a ponytail <laughs> and a acoustic guitar ryan's gonna stand behind me with fucking snare drum and i'm gonna say that the crazies the crazy is like full on syphilis because it's gonna fucking change your brain going to change the chemical structure of your goddamn brain when this syphilis gets up into you. May even make you go fucking blind. So I'm giving this shit a nine out of ten. Eight and a half? Nah. Fuck that. Oh, alone syphilis. Like, it's rotting your brain at this point. Nine out of ten. I, I requested this film, so I'm going high with it. Good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.